Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges, and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and I'm joined with Daniel Johnson, Carlos Villarreal Kwasek, and Michael Carnell to discuss AI art and why people are here to stay. But uh, before we jump into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions of who you are and what you do. So I guess we'll go with uh, Daniel. Do you want to kick us off? Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Daniel. I'm currently Chief Creative Officer at Playchain. I manage four different games um, and three studios. I have 65 people across those. And I suppose my background is with uh, art, a uh, technical artist, and um, I have 13, 14 years of experience in the industry with 23 release titles. I think there's four and a half billion installs across them, something like that. Very nice. Good accolades there. I'll jump to uh, to Michael. Yeah, I'm um, Michael. I work as a lead environment artist at uh, Dyson's.com. Um, and I've been in the industry since 2013 or 2012 or something like that. And um, have worked in various different roles, uh, both as an art manager, working in games education and uh, as an artist. And uh, currently working on the next Battlefield installment. Awesome. And uh, finally, but not least, uh, Carlos. Uh, so my name is Carlos. I am an artist uh, working in a Wild Games, which is a our startup with some colleagues. Uh, we had the startup going on for four years now, almost four years. Um, we're a small team, so and two artists. So I do all the way from art direction to like doing the actual art. So this only myself and another person that I have to manage art ways. Uh, we're working on our prototype. Uh, we killed a couple of games for various reasons. And since we're focusing on mobile, it's a very different industry from um, a console. Uh, but uh, it's a very interesting and a learning experience, something new. I've uh, been in industry for 20 years, 21 years now. Uh, it's not always been games. But uh, when I started, there was it was back in the days on the CD-ROM. <laughs> so that's kind of like my interactivity experience. Awesome, we've got some really great uh, experiences like uh, career lengths uh, across the board here today. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Uh, but as always, you've each brought a question relevant for discussion around AI art, which I know is very contentious these days. Uh, but as usual, uh, we'll work our way around the room with each of you posing your questions and your reasoning behind of it. And then each of you will have the opportunity to kind of just discuss it uh, openly uh, as well. So again, I guess we'll go back to uh, to Daniel. And uh, what's your question? And uh, what do you mean by that? So um, I think my question is along the lines of where are we now with AI and where do you think we're going? It's um, so like how is it implemented into to the game industry? It's uh, pretty broad, but it's also very important. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess I'll uh, open the floor uh, to anyone there. Carlos, do you want to go first or should should I go? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's the answer. I, I don't know because I see I, my, the, the friends friends of mine that are also using AI, 
they're also kind of discovering every time I meet them, it's kind of like, oh, I found this tool, I found this tool. We've been, been trying out this new thing here. So I think probably it's that discovery period where people are trying to come up with workflows, which is also what I'm doing as well. Yeah, I think it's the same uh, from my perspective as well, where it's like trying to both sort of tread the and then sort of understand where the regulation and sort of from a legal perspective where things are going to make sure that it's you know we're we're on the right side of of both uh sort of the law to an extent but also from like artist rights and and making sure that that's done in a good and inclusive and transparent way but then also looking at like what what can the technology do right now uh because I mean, there's both the sort of the generative uh, side of, of AI, um, which can be useful when you know ideating, concepting, uh, and for some studios, uh, people even use for production art. But then there's also the more um, like technical side of things, where it's helping with workflows and um, helping streamline different processes and helping just sort of remove more of the laborious tasks that we we don't want to do and that's personally where i think is what, what i i see the most value in being um but obviously uh, being able to start from something that's not just a blank canvas i think that's where a lot of the the support can can kind of come in from from ai absolutely uh, do you want to jump in there daniels yes most definitely so um in terms of where we are right now i think that it's important to to let everybody know that there is no click a button finish game kind of thing going on with AI at the moment. Like there is a lot of work from actually generating it to implementing something useful in the game. Nothing is very um, accurate as it is right now. It's it's really hard for AI to follow styles uh, in in a good way uh, where it's usable right out of the box. Um, and especially when it comes to doing anything with 3D, the AI currently generating 3D is absolutely terrible. It'll probably be kind of like uh, mid-journey a year ago where it could barely do a cat and now it does it basically better than a photo. Um, but so it'll probably come soon in like a year or two. But it is definitely not usable 3D uh, that you get out of AI generators currently. Um, NVIDIA though has done some stuff with AI and doing 3D, which is pretty sweet, but we don't get to access it. So uh, we have no idea how that works or how far in the future it is. You probably need some extremely powerful machines to use this kind of things. Um, and in regards to where we're going, I um, at least my approach is that I want to empower the artists. I want them to have more choices when they work so that basically instead of being like in a tight, having tight deadlines, only having one choice, having to take it because we don't have time to redo, we don't have to tr time to try other things. I want them to go faster so that they can actually have choices between like maybe four or five things instead of just one or two, which at the end of the day will bring better games. Such a really good uh, good summary there. Uh, I can see you're nodding away there, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing uh, that it should be in service of both the product, but also the artists. But I guess that depends on which side you're looking at this from. If you're more, if it's more, if it's about just quick, you know, you you want something very quickly and very cheaply, then and yeah, you can do lots of stuff with AI already. Um, but I don't think it's gonna, you know, a look very good. Um, and b, it's not gonna be a great way to to run a team or a business if you're sort of. You know, getting rid of an art team or artist for the sake of replacing them with AI. Um, 
But if you instead look at it from like, how can we augment our team? How can we reduce, you know, laborious tasks, reduce bottlenecks, um, find ways to like give, like you said, Daniel, like give three or four iterations in the same, you know, same amount of time or less amount of time than it would take to just make one, uh, then that can really help speed up the creative process. But as long as it's, you know, not for the, basically the intent that will differ. Like what's what's the intent? Or you are you do you intend to just make something completely derivative that is just basically ripping off someone else's work, or are you intending to use it to to help and then augment uh, an, an artist? I think that's a fine yeah. line. I think people are misunderstanding it slightly in the sense when they're thinking that it will replace artists as it is right now, because they still need the artists to to modify these these results from the AI. There's um, a lot of work in cleaning it up it's like it's always been it's like with motion capture animations you got to clean up those keys there's a lot to do right um so uh, even though it's gonna bring faster results so you're gonna get close to to whatever you want to quicker it's not gonna get rid of the artist not yet at least and i don't think it will because somebody has to control it <laughs> It's actually a really good point that you mentioned there, the, the comparison between uh, motion capture and AI. Uh, is that kind of the general consensus here? Is that AI art is essentially the equivalent to, to motion capture here? Well, no, I see it as just an example. Yes, okay. <laughs> I see your point. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things on the topic of like animation that I'm, you know, I think is, is really cool is something that Ubisoft has been working on for uh, a little while now. Uh, a project they call Sue Builder, um, which is essentially allowing, well, I mean, it's still prototype, um, but it allows you to, in theory, input a video of, say, an, an animal, a uh, lion running or jumping or pouncing, whatever, and then using um, uh, sort of AI, um, it, it can then analyze, like predict, like, oh, and like analyze where the skeletal, how the skeletal structure of that lion looks and then create like a base mm. animation from that video and and then use you know more more and more material it has to learn how a, a lion and anatomy uh works then it becomes you know better and better at predicting how its movements and like using that as a base for like how can we make how do they make the lions move in in say far cry or whatever and like that technology to me is just like super cool and i mean that could really um allow us uh, to add more uh, fidelity and more breathe more life into um like say animals as an example in in in, in games because you you then get something to start off from uh, whereas if you don't there's just such a tremendous amount of work involved in in doing that so like that's just something that i think is is really really cool uh and, and interesting, right? yeah so you like really being able to prototype and then and do that really quickly um and maybe it's the same thing, going to be the same thing for like um, um, being able to break down, you know, references or uh, concept art into like, here's an asset list or like give you references using, you know, say Google image search or something. Like here's an image, we have an image of, of uh, New York and then it's just like, well, here are all the assets that we think you would need you know, to build New York. Here's a list that we populated with these assets. Here are attached references for each individual asset. Uh, and so on, like stuff like that, just helps streamline a lot of the work, um, and then just remove a lot of the, like it gives you, it gives you a starting point, like it removes the blank canvas, which I think is one of the always the most big 
like difficult part of starting a new project is like the blank canvas thing. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I've seen, especially with uh, like Mid Journey and the um, 2D art. It, it gives you a starting point uh, and makes you think outside of the box. Uh, you know, if you, you tell a concept artist, "Hey, we need a, a dragon," for example, there's a million ways you can approach a dragon. So it's yeah, definitely like you say, removes that blank canvas, gives you a, an outline of the dragon in this example uh, to proceed as well. Um, I guess, uh, is there any any additional thoughts anyone's got around like where we are right now with AI and where we think it's going before we move on to uh, to the next question at all? I think one of the other things that's going to be implemented to the game development industry in general is just that um, QA, like the whole quality assurance department is going to have some really powerful tools where they can basically throw in an AI and test, I don't know, 100,000 players over a few days, right? And then they're going to get some proper analytics back. They're going to find places where the game breaks. They're going to find a lot of information that would have taken a very, very long time and a lot of people to do um, without AI. I think that's a really interesting aspect as well. The 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 area that the way we are using AI right now, which is um, it really helps us to do a lot of things faster. And in in a way, it's it's not like I mean either we do it and we do it slow, or like we have AI and that just speeds things up like a hundred hundred times. And we do uh, concepts in mid journey, but again, like I when I create the concepts, I do like. 10 or 20 of them and then I smash them in Photoshop and I pick what, what I like so if you have like if you have like a nice um a nice if you if you know that you know with this words you're gonna get a front view a back view no background things like that then you can something you can work with that because you, you're, gonna, you're gonna output always the same post for example right so that that's something that you can work with and once you have that and we're using this other AI called uh Kaedim, so you you give it an image and you, you the, the software returns a 3D with with actually a nice wireframe like not not just like a scan you know where it's like 50,000 polygons like an actually nice wireframe that then you can just um, even slap the same concept paint it a little bit uh, we're using Blender so you can actually paint with the same concept and then skin it that that's the part that I'm still kind of missing that the skinning. I look at Mixamo does that, so you can actually just throw it to Mixamo, then skin in there, you export with the animations, the library animations that they have already. So then, like one person within like a day or two can basically try a character in the game and be like, "Well, this here is a sniper, right? We can we can test it out." So we don't need we don't need to commit, um, or, or actually, when we commit to the actual outsourcing company of whoever is designing this, we have so much stuff that we already decided. Do you reckon that will uh, cut down the uh, the times I'm waiting for outsourcing studios? Well, actually, it doesn't it doesn't cut the time waiting for them, but it makes their life, I think, easier because now I'm able to send them a 3D model, which is like, well, this is the white box. So they already know that, okay, this is the actual shape. You don't have to uh, line draw from a uh, from a sheet of a, of a 2D image, right? I can send them a 3D image. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. it's just better for for and better for us as well because like now we now we 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 know what we're gonna get. Like it's as much yeah, more accurate results and things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess we'll uh, we'll shift over to the to the next question actually, which is uh, your question as well, Carlos. Uh, so I guess I'll uh, hand it over to you. Right. So I'm really curious. Uh, what do you think? Should we be teaching the new? Um, the new artist question is more like what the schools should be teaching, but um, uh, yeah. So is that the um, game design related as well, or only only art? I would say art, but well, since we're talking about games, I would say uh, focus on games. But let's say art yeah. board games. 
because it's also a, a big one, which is programming. To put a little bit more in context, when I remember when I was in uni and we, I was studied graphic design and 3D came in. So there was like all the sons like, well, you don't need to draw. Like you don't need to know how to draw anymore. Well, I think that proven to be wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my, when my parents are academic, that were they they retired, but uh, they used to be academics. And they were always like, no, you you need to know how to draw. You need to know, understand anatomy, that all this stuff. It's not that computer is not going to do it for you. Um, and I think we are, again, at this point where like, oh, AI can do it. So what are we going to teach the new generation? So I think the general thing here is that the whole base, the fundamentals, the AI is not going to solve for you. There's going to be a whole thing about understanding colors, understanding shape, understanding how a scene is set up, how you how you shape like um, a whole style for a game, like the the whole process of doing so. If you just go into mid journey and go through there and think you know what you're doing, you're going to have a really terrible game. Like this is just not the way to do it. What happens if people just use things straight out of mid journey? For example, is a very large mix match, uh, mix match of uh, of different styles. It's uh, like it's it just it's not coherent at all, and it's not going to be a good feeling for the player. So I don't think that's uh, that's a viable way to do it. I totally uh, remember that from from when I went to school for for three D. I went two years to college for that, and and it was the same thing. Like the the drawing part was such a small bit out of what it is, but it would have been very, very good for understanding a lot of things like depth and shape and so on. So, um, yeah, but but we had to do it ourselves too to make sure that we follow up there. Uh, there's um, also a um, thing, so it's not only the fun- fundamentals, it's also about understanding what tools are available. It's a big part of school. We are in an industry, though, where it evolves every single year. And the best thing you can teach people in the game industry is to learn because everything evolves all the time. So they have to be be agile learners and proactive about it as well. So they understand what AI tools can actually help them in, in different situations. If you go with the the art approach, there's a lot of tools for generating different par- uh, parts of, uh, of, uh, of the art uh, pipeline. There's tools for generating music. There's tools for generating code. Uh, for game design, you can use things like uh, chat gpt for example to to test out your numbers you can do a lot of things with with uh, with excel sheets and so on to make sure that you have for example functioning economies and so on um so i think it's in general the approach the school should use to like if we have to break it down into a quick little sentence here it's it's more like okay you got to get the fundamentals then you're going to teach them how to learn quick because they're going to have to and then you're going to show them what is available right now and uh, hope that they're prepared for the future i guess i'll go over to to, to michael i really like that insight there and especially uh, i couldn't agree more on the uh, the foundations um for a student as well i think it makes me think of like modern art in a, in, a, in a way uh, around like oh why is this uh, this painting with one line on it uh, there's so much money why is it millions so well the artist can do it like you know the mona lisa if they wanted to but they choose to to do this one line like that sort of idea um but i'm interested because uh, michael you've got more of a, uh, a bit of a teaching background as well when it comes to, to games i'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts around teaching ai i mean it's it's i think it's difficult um i don't have uh like this is exactly what i think schools should do um mostly because of the ethics of AI still. I think it's like, it, it has to mature in a way where the industry as a whole are, are you know, we we know what we want to use it for and we are okay with that. So it's not, you know, um, some companies or some studios or some schools using it and thinking like, this is how we're going to work now. And that's completely to the 
you know, the, the majority of the artist community think completely differently. Because um, it's just going to create like polarization between some individuals or companies and, and, and the rest of the community. But I think awareness of the tool, especially from like w what it does, how it works and, and what that means, what sort of impact that has. But then also as, as it progresses, which it inevitably will, will uh, I think it then becomes more about, like you said, um, foundations of, of art, art direction, basically, um, more about art direction than, than focusing too much on the, the small, tiny detail. Um, because that's what I think it allows us to to do in the end. It just because I mean games are just becoming more and more complex. The expectations are are becoming uh, you know high, increasing every year. People want bigger games. They want them sooner. They want uh, you know a blockbuster games for each franchise that they follow once per year. And I mean if if we're gonna be able to do that, um, I mean I'm exaggerating, but to an extent that's kind of like there's every year there's a Call of Duty, and I mean that's people's expectations and their hunger for content is just growing and growing and growing and in order to satisfy that um you we, we need like our our jobs become more and more complex and to allow people to focus more on sort of like how do we elevate that from like creative perspective uh, like why you know bringing making it more about the overall experience as opposed to just one component or a few components of the, the product um then ai will will to an extent i think help us do that by iterating quicker like because it is like that's what a big part of of making games is like finally like getting to a point where you can play something and see and, and finding the fun and the the shorter we can make those iteration cycles the better the product will be like when we can't test something then you're just working in a vacuum and you can't validate if what you're working on is going the right way or not uh, but the sooner you can test and evaluate and and the shorter the turnaround is um, the quicker it will be to improve something and, and make the core design of that thing better. So I think that's what um, schools right now, at least, I think it's just awareness and then how how do we see it being used? Uh, and like maybe like opening that up as a discussion with students as well. So it's not just a, let's just go and use Midjourney and, and you know, claim that artists are out of a job because that's not the case. Uh, and I don't think it, it will be... Um, at in any given point, like it's just going to change the nature of the work. Um, it's going to evolve the artistic roles rather than anything else. I guess the, the, there's a follow-up question I was kind of thinking there because you mentioned um, the, the ethics. I think uh, you know eventually it's not sustainable without some intervention legally. You know, around um, someone owning the data sets or selling them, making that commercial. Do you reckon that'll be become a part of like curriculums? Is like learning how to make the basic data set for a particular like a chair for example i mean i don't know but i think um like like um, intellectual property and uh, you know copyright um like all of that sort of stuff is becoming more and more uh you know something that we need to discuss with artists it's the same thing with photogrammetry it's like when you if you scan a chair and that and that chair is of uh you know it's a design you, you take a chair from ikea and you scan it like do you own that model do they own it because of that's their design i mean there there's of course like a lot of people working in that sort of area of the of intellectual property law but i still think it's a really interesting sort of discussion and i think it's going to be similar with with ai as well like at what point do you consider something like a data set from like if, if uh, ai bot is crawling the web looking at our station um like right now at what point would you say it is ethical for ai to create something based off of that data set. If you're saying, create me, draw me some 
art in the style of Carlos. Um, is that okay? Are we going to be okay with that? Probably not, because it's going to feel like we're ripping people off. But if we're saying, well, depends, depends what's your budget for me then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you if you willingly said, yeah, I'm I'm selling this stuff so that AI can learn, then that is one thing. If you if you're not doing that, I think that is, you know, a big issue. Uh, and I think that's what like the com like a lot of the companies they don't like we don't have uh, an actual like a rule set to follow for that. There's no playbook um, because technology has, has advanced so quickly. I want to mention something about that because I um when I think when it goes to the point where like uh, where you're asking me, Julie, oh, you know, make me in the style of and we slap a name. I think that's easier to associate. You know, this person's gonna get royalties because you, if it's if it's specific, right? But if you're if the if the prompt is very ambiguous and like mishy wishy washy, then it just becomes a lot more difficult. Like, well, who is actually who is actually in this artistic movement? Who are the people that are gonna get this, all these royalties? Exactly. But, yeah, but it's, it's a, when it's when it's like one person, like you know, I like the style of whoever um, you slam that name, so you you immediately have a reference like this is a specific name, you know, the artist. This is the one that you can channel royalties to. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting. It's, it sounds very mundane, but it'd be interesting when uh, games have credits and there's a whole section of data sets supplied by, and it's just a, a never-ending list <laughs> of thousands of people uh as well but i do record uh, if you all saw it like valve uh, made a stance about not allowing any games that involved uh you know uh, ai created assets without uh, permission of those who made the original content thought so i was uh, really interested to see such a big studio company say no i think there it's people are seeing it slightly differently like what it actually says is that um, valve will not allow games with yeah. content that the uh, producer does known it, it's not necessarily <laughs> anything to do with ai um yeah it depends on how you use it right but if you don't it, own it, what it you use don't... then you shouldn't use yeah. it <laughs> yeah that, that's a, bit, a lot better context than what i gave yeah absolutely um but it does align with the the ai uh, argument as well um but sorry were you about to say this in the college yeah i was gonna say because uh, it's, it might not be actually a, even a legal problem because uh, cyan they released firmament a couple of weeks ago and they started this project four years ago. Four years ago, there was no AI. And they released the project now. And through the course of the development, they, they are a Kickstarter. So the course of development, like since a year or so, they started using AI to, you know, in their workflow. And they put this credit, this credit as in like, well, AI was being used to this and that. And, uh, well, people didn't like that. They was like, oh, okay, so that's, uh, you know, all the voiceovers are AI and da da da. So it wasn't specified like how what's the extent. So they had to release um, you know, a statement, and you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't follow like what happened with the story, what, what happened there. But you know, we're talking about like not a legal problem, but like this, this uh, on players being unhappy because like you are or you're giving the impression that your game is made by by AI. So you're not even hiring people, right? Well, so it's. Yeah, I think the, the the public attitude does need to shift, and I think that goes back to to your point, Michael, about like educating people of like the ethics behind it, what what's a, a suitable time to use AI, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, but as, to as well. um, sorry, so, so just just to finish my thought, but to um, because I check I check the credits of of I mean, I don't want to make a, a, <laughs> a false statement here, but um, from the from what the credits uh, I saw is that they did say like, well it's been assisted like voiceover was assisted or so, so it's from the, the way i read it it's pretty clear that um ai has been used as a tool to enhance uh certain parts or clean stuff or you know get get rid of noise get rid of this get rid of that like um yeah yeah 
Absolutely. But I guess I just wanted to kind of round off a little bit, because uh, obviously the question was, uh, what do you think game des- uh, design schools should be teaching uh, about AI? Uh, we've had everyone's thoughts, but I want to kind of get your closing thoughts on it uh, as well, Carlos. Yeah, I will just be the annoying teacher saying that you just need to learn how to draw, basically. Um, <laughs> so if you are 3D artists, you need to know how to do a nice flow. Because it's going to come to a point where, you know, this uh, Kaedim or like just going to be more like that and you're going to get a nice wireframe uh, from a click. But if you don't understand how good wireframe is, then if it gets broken, you don't know how to fix it. So that that concept, I would just apply everywhere and just be the an- annoying to the students so they can thank me t- 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I guess we'll move over to uh, to, to Michael, uh, your question uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, my question we've sort of discussed, I guess, a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's more around what will you guys are most looking forward to AI solving for you and what the biggest, like, yes, I would just want AI to get rid of this thing, you know, get this out of my life. Yeah, so like, what's the most annoying part of uh, game development on the art side of things? How can AI alleviate it, essentially? Uh, so, Daniel, uh, I'll jump to you. So I don't think there's necessarily any parts of the art pipeline that I, I hate, but something like, um, I don't know, it could be very helpful to to have AI at a point where, for example, you built, I don't know, 10% of the game or something like that. So you have a very much laid out a vertical slice, you have a nice style, you have everything in the way you want, and then you can start like like making worlds by clicking right so you you generate i don't know you you build half a school i want the other half kind of thing um <laughs> if it if it could assist in that way that would be amazing so i think um speaking from uh, not experience but from uh, the amount of like candidates that i spoke to on a day in day out the number one thing i think uh, they would request because uh, i do ask this question uh, is uv mapping uh, is just eradicated or just done by the ai as well uh is that a shared um here actually not no i like having control over my uvs it's it's pretty important when texturing it depends on your pipeline uh, i've done a lot of mobile games hand painted where you gotta have full control and i don't know i like having the the full control knowing what sticks together at times uh at most of the time i think i'm much better than the auto packers uh at doing this in a proper way and there's a lot of tricks to doing UVs that can be used by us, but not so much by by the computer because it doesn't understand when to to do things or stretch them on purpose or whatever might be needed. Um, yeah. Yes. And uh, I guess on your side of things, Carlos, because uh, we've mentioned their uh, mobile a little bit there. Um, what are you trying to get out of AI? What are you looking forward to? Uh, you know, being able to get out of AI in the long run. What, what I'm looking forward in general from AI is, for example, a Q and A. Run run through Q and A and just tell me that pathfinders are broken here or collisions are broken there, things like that. So that that's stuff that, you, yeah, usually you need a person playing over and over. Um, so the AI can could do a, a lot of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I would like to have, and I'm sure like either there is AI that already does it or it's it's coming soon, is in um, feed the AI. Uh, the style that I have, so I can tell the AI, give me some ideas in the in my style, like the style that I have that I feed at you, just give me a couple of ideas, and then I can start riffing from there. Yep. That's actually That's exactly re- what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually considered that as like an option. You know, if they uh, release like a, um, a software of AI, and you can literally just upload your own portfolio of all your work as a data set. <laughs> You can already do that. It's just uh, you need a lot of work. Like you yeah. need thousands of pieces. <laughs> 
I mean, Mid Journey does it a little bit like you provide an image and uh, or two images, and you say, like, well, give me this image and this style. Yeah. So that I, I can see that this kind of ways. Um, it's more like the maybe the the, the finishing of uh, of how it looks like. But uh, also, Kaedim also has a little bit like that. You provide certain images of how do you want this 3D to be, because the, the images to f that you feed to the software, they they. I mean, I've been using this tool just very shortly, but um, it seems like they prefer a very simple and and just outlineish images, not realistic. So the software just it does good at recognizing the general shapes, and then they run it through the style that you provided, and then they output the okay, this is a chair in this style that you want it. Yeah, I think as well. Uh, it just came to the back of my mind as you were saying, like with the Q and A, um, and it just coming back and saying, "This is broken here. This is what you should be looking at." Uh, it kind of reminds me of a um, you know, Microsoft paperclip, just a very advanced version of it. <laughs> <laughs> Show my age a little bit there. Yeah. I know the reference. <laughs> I miss that little guy. Yeah, me too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe there'll be a, an AI package called Paperclip as a reference to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and then that's actually what you know. One of those things that I'm, I would look forward to, where it's like you have. And I think a lot of companies are probably working on, um, like their own sort of AI models, their own versions of uh, whichever is the most, you know, the, the commonly available ones, where they, like, the data set is only the data that is sort of provided within the company to make sure that, you know, anything that they use and reference is, you know, we're, we're basing it off our own knowledge uh, uh, and, and and that's it. And you sort of keep your whatever company trade secrets you have that doesn't leave the walls of the company, like it stays within your own sort of network. Because um, mm -hmm. in, that, in that sense, you can then also have like all the, like a lot of the inherent like information and like stuff that tends to get lost documentation or knowledge that's sort of living between the walls like a lot of that stuff you could then be able to reference through like uh you know a slack assistant or something where you can just ask questions about like what are the metrics for this thing or how does this thing work in the engine and then it's amassed all this knowledge over the years um just sort of listening in or like knowing what sort of issues people have and then what sort of solutions get provided to solve them that you just have a massive knowledge bank that you can easily search because you can ask them contextual questions and then it will kind of give you contextual answers, like something like that. Um, and same thing with like the some of the technical stuff. I think UV mapping in, in at least the way it's working now, uh, I, I agree with, with Daniel. I like UV mapping is quite kind of a soothing uh, process almost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dif different type of, of uh, mental sort of exercise, but things like LODs and other technical oh, yes. meshes for building content where it's just it just has to to work and the time you spend on it like making the perfect LOD in most cases is not necessarily worth the effort that you spend making it um, uh, of course there are always going to be um, exceptions but at least then you you can you have another like base to to build off of it's like yeah we just give you 85% uh, of what you would need and then 15 percent of times when you might need to go and, and fix it yourself but for the most time it just knows exactly what sort of technical limitations it needs to adhere to and just helps you set all of that stuff up so you can spend more time on the actual the fun stuff that you enjoy um unless that's the fun stuff that you enjoy but i think most at least 3d artists would agree that they would rather spend time on like texturing or uh, you know set dressing or whatever the actual concept or design of the asset that they're making so just Another freeing thing. up freeing up people 
Exactly. And there's, there's another thing with that, with saving time. Like if we go back to the paperclip um, idea, then having a tool within all or a chat within all the tools where you can basically ask about anything. So I don't know, we use probably 10 different programs and we have 10,000 possibilities in all of them. And we sort of forget once in a while, or it's been three years since we work with whatever in that tool. So let's say you need to, I don't know, do a animated Boolean with a smooth or something in Blender um, through, I don't know, six or seven objects or something. And you're like, how, how do I do this again? And then have that paperclip or that AI tell you the process so that, all right. And then you go through it faster, right? Instead of having to to Google it. You can definitely Google it. It just takes a while to um, like sort of look through all the information. Yeah. That's actually a really good point because again, when I'm, when I'm speaking to, to different artists and, and I'm asking them, okay, what's kind of the software that you use on a day-to-day? They mentioned that, oh, brilliant. Is there anything else at all? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a, you know, I've, I've not touched a substance painter in, in quite a while, you know, something like that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, the, this role requires it. And like, I can uh, refresh myself. You know, in that example, a paperclip would be perfect to, to remind them exactly to get up to speed with all new updates and patch notes, uh, <laughs> the modern version as well. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. I kind of, kind of, kind of foresee you know it being used in a lot of onboarding as well for people when they started a company. It's like we've collected everything that's happened recently and going going on, and sort of summarized the latest information, uh, and like just helping keep track of of things because that's you know um, one of the difficulties, just the information overload um, that we constantly get, like the millions of Slack channels, millions of minor reports, millions of emails, and be able to sort of reduce the cognitive load for people uh, as complexity and sort of uh, remote working becomes even more the the norm and, and the teams expand and expand and expand and the projects get more and more complicated. Uh, managing information is like one of the biggest challenges. Just like, are we aligned on this thing? Like what has been decided? And I don't know, like it wouldn't be able to solve that now, but I do see like maybe not could it could help in that sense and be able to like explain how like this thing how does that work because that's what i found with chat gpt it's like it's a been a great like a teacher in learning like teaching me how like say parts of a you know a, a script works and much better at explaining exactly what each line of code does than if i were to google it and then i can get like instant feedback it just asks okay what happens if i change this thing and then it gives me Sometimes it's going to be giving wrong answers, so you have to validate and like you know challenge it. But very often, it's, I'm just amazed at like I ask something that I can't find on Google, uh, like a very specific thing, and then it's able to um, like sort of explain like yeah, this is how I would approach this thing, and then it's like well, this is amazing, and then you can use that as a so like almost like a coach in a way uh, when when you're sort of trying to approach a. a yeah, it's going to be the end of uh, old forum posters from about eight years ago who have a very specific answer for a very yeah. specific problem. <laughs> but it, I, I want to add to that point, actually, that you mentioned about onboarding, because um, that's not something I've really heard much about with AI, is the potential if you're using a studio with like a proprietary engine that's shared amongst a few other studios, but you've got that many in-house tools that is almost unrecognizable. You know, onboarding, like you may have used this engine, but this is this is the sort of things that we've done to make it our own almost and um, bring people up to speed as well um, yeah, exactly or you, you can you could even say like uh you know at my old job i used you know this engine and uh, so what, what's the like what wh- what's the most important stuff that's different or similar uh and you know be able to get that sort of thing like so it's just all these contextual things that it can help you with that otherwise you would have to like writing documentation solely for that purpose would be 
too complicated and too time consuming, whereas like a large language model might be able to assist with them. Well, welcome to my world. I have two teams in Unity, one in Unreal and one Godot. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine how your or how your brain works at all. <laughs> well, um, but Carlos, I just want to kind of go to you as well, just before you know, because I've not heard from you a little while uh, around AI. Is there any additional points you wanted to make around look, things you're looking forward to, or all this paperclip analogy? Anything at all you want to add there? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it's it's exciting. It's just exciting, like the things that come up well, every day. So, uh, mm. yeah. yeah, I think I've got just a, a couple of questions uh, left, but I think it, just to kind of summarize a little bit around the discussion we've had, and uh, it definitely touches upon the points of uh, educating as well. At the start of the conversation, we're like, mm, okay, we're not too sure about this, what direction? And, you know, mostly through the uh, the podcast now, we're all quite excited, energetic, and like, oh, this is actually a really cool thing that, we can look forward to and use realistically uh, as well. I think that goes for, for most people out there that learn about AI and to try and get an understanding of it and uh, would benefit a bit, you know, everyone really. Um, but I guess the, the question I've got is um, to do with like, you know, this notion that AI replaces everyone. You know, if we imagine, you know, five, 10 years into the future, um, do you reckon there'll be less artists, more artists, or roughly about the same um, with all the AI tools that are coming out? What kind of people's thoughts around that? I think there'll be more teams, more smaller teams. Yeah. Well, in terms of like more specialized, uh, I, th- I think um, the output will be higher, which means you don't need as many people on one team. So you build two games instead of one. Yeah. So I can see that happening. Uh, what about you, uh, Michael? What are your thoughts on that? I think we'll still see rapid growth of like developers as the industry continues to expand, and and maybe roles will be just different um but i mean like i think that's more you know in say 20 years time yeah um but in 10 years time i think it's probably will be you know com- continuing a, a similar trend i think there will be companies who will try and, and fail to replace their staff with ai that's just my personal opinion um i might be wrong but i i do think it will be more like how how does the AI sort of play into the tool set of, of an artist, just like we have procedural tools doing already. Um, and, and and how does that sort of augment the output? And then the output will increase, efficiency will increase, and then um, you know the amount of of that will be able to serve the you know the growing need and, and want for content in our games, making games bigger, even more complicated, um, and then releasing more and like more often, um, yeah, more Nothing. content. And the, the point there about like there's going to be new job titles that we've not even thought about that will become a thing. I mean, I've come across a fair few AI programmer uh, roles appear on my feeds now and then. Uh, or imagine, you know, a, a data set artist that just solely works on just stuff <laughs> day in, day out that may be used now, may be used in five years, but it's to build a foundation uh, for the future. Uh, but Carlos, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it will be uh, the same, less or more people? Oh, man, it's, it's hard to tell, like... Because we don't even know when is the next uh, disruptive uh, thing from user's perspective, like the next iPhone, right? That's going to change the industry completely. But I, th- but from the development side, I think AI is definitely not going to be this shocking thing as it is now. It's just the conversation at some point is going to settle down and, and people are just going to get used to using it in some way, learning it, and it's just going to be part of part of the vocabulary. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think... I don't think the people that are completely against AI and like have their banners. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I understand where they're coming from, but I just don't think that this is a battle that 
they can win it that way. And it's not going away. So I totally agree. Might as well figure out what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, just a, another tool in the toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like when you say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'll still say it. <laughs> well, that is really the way I feel about it. But is there anything else anyone wants to kind of bring up or any points they've thought of throughout the podcast they want to bring up now um, at all? I think, um, so when I went to school, when I went to 3D college, I had um, a lot of education in regards to the the fundamentals, moving vertices around, having as low poly meshes as possible, doing perfect UV maps, having all these things and understanding like the absolute base of everything. Um, I went back to teach there a few years ago and it was all about like ZBrush, having like zero understanding of how anything works in like low poly and UVs were auto-generated, all these kind of things. And what they were producing was of lesser quality. I feel like if you jump into this AI space and you start using the AI tools without having the fundamentals, what the output is not going to be great. And I think that's the main thing people are not grasping that is if people just use AI, they're not going to get great results. And that is why these people will not succeed. They'll still have to go and understand how this complete like works at the base. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, at least that's how I think it, it's going to go. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a bit of a sales pitch there for future games there to learn the fundamentals there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it, it ultimately boils down to intent. Like what are you trying to make and, and why? And then, if you're using AI, then that's one way to go. But then, like, what are you trying to get out of it? And I think whenever you get this kind of thing, like, you know, make art button, then some people will just want to click the make art button because it gives them something and that's cool. And then um, they can do whatever they want with that. But for people who, like, if you view it as, well, how can I utilize this as a tool? What, what does this help me in terms of what I'm trying to convey or whatever emotional story I'm trying to tell, then that then becomes like, well, in, in some cases, for, for most people right now, probably it will be, yeah, it's not quite mature, or maybe we can use it from, for some limited tasks and then we'll see how it develops in the future. But if you're just trying to use it out of the box, then think like you, you're, you, you need, there needs to be some sort of level of in, creative intent uh, around it that uh, you, you don't get that just by clicking make art like that doesn't yeah. make you an artist in my eyes it's just making you a user of a tool that is creating something off of what other people have already made um so it's a bit like taking uh, going to one of the asset stores for unreal or unity and just buying a bunch of different styles and putting into the same game that's that's going to be the result of you using ai straight out of the box right now and that's not going to no i really like that that's a, that's a good analogy <laughs> yeah exactly and, and, and like the difference would be if, if if that's you know if you're doing that and and presumably and hopefully which is not always the case but in most cases the people who are putting up their assets on an asset store they have given their consent to it being sold and it being used in commercial products by other people like for me. different uses yeah uh, <laughs> and then of course there's there's instances where people um publish asset packs or assets that haven't gone through that process and i think that's what is being done with a lot of the generative ai or like the ai in general where we're using data stolen from people who don't want it to be stolen and then i mean that is um in a way you want to call it it's theft um and so if you're just using that as the baseline then um i think that's a pretty low we're setting a pretty low bar for ourselves in terms of um yeah our artistic journey 
Yeah, and I guess to kind of uh, summarize that last point there uh, as well before we close off, uh, to put it as a blunt analogy, uh, you wouldn't use a, a hammer to paint a wall. You know, you've got to kind of look at what you've got to do and recognize what's the right tool for it. Maybe it is AI for some tools, maybe it's not. Maybe it's uh, good old-fashioned hard work <laughs> occasionally. Uh, but I just wanted to take the time to kind of really like thank everyone here for their, their insights uh, into the topic of AI. I know it's not an easy topic or a can of worms to open, uh, but I know I'd really do appreciate um, you know Daniel, Carlos, Michael, each of your thoughts around it. And uh, if you're listening at home and you want to get involved in a future podcast, maybe even another AI podcast, then reach out to me on uh, on LinkedIn or reach out to my very long email of adam.miller-betridge at evolution-nordics.com. All right, see you next time.